Good evening. How's everybody doing? Smile or something or thumbs up? There you go. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know the saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I proved him o'er and o'er Jesus Jesus Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust His cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I've learned to trust the precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that thou art with me, will be with me till the How I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all oh, for grace to trust him more. Amen. Thank you, Brother Virgil. How's everybody in church land? Fantastic. I think, I think it's sprinkling out there right now, okay? Little rain. Little rain never hurt anybody, okay? I'm, I'm hoping I'll let you out tonight before it comes the big downpour because I'm worried about you. I, I know some of y'all would melt out there from here to the car door because you're just made out of sugar, aren't you? So, good deal. So, we are good to you. Kavanaugh is good to you. This is a great church. We're good, we're good to you. For example, a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, we gave you peaches. Did y'all enjoy the peaches? And then we followed it up last week with grapefruit. How were they? Are they good? I don't eat grapefruit, so I didn't taste one. Are they, were they okay? Well, yeah, that's, we're going to, tonight, it's plums. Plums. We're, we're going we're gonna to try to go through the whole gamut of fruits, all right? So tonight is plum night, plum night. If, if it's not a downpour, Jack and Fred are going to be back out there at the same place loading your car up with plums. 
Jason is plum night. Did you know that? We got plums. Fantastic. So if the sermon is sorry, you can eat a plum on the way home, all right? And it'll help you out. Let's stand up. We're going to pray and ask God to bless everything that happens in this building tonight. Did you know that our little kids, the, the little ones back in Brother Johnny's area, guess what they're starting tonight? Christmas practice. Can you believe that? Today in staff meeting, what did we talk about? The Christmas schedule, because it's going to be here before you know it, and our kids are back there practicing their big Christmas program right now. So pray for them, pray for our teenagers, pray for our college-age students as they all learn about the Lord. Jason, would you pray for us? Amen. Turn around and say hi to 20 people.
What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no to trust and
to go there someday, somehow. And after I reach that heavenly city, I mean to know more than I know now. Good singing. Thank you, Miss Fran. That's great. I like that song. How about you? Fantastic. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Brother Bird. Do what? Yeah, man. Exactly. Y'all are stuck with me tonight. And that, uh, well, thank you, Dallas. I love you too, buddy. I love you. Hey, a couple of things. Um, missions, everything we give on Wednesday goes to missions. So if you'd like to give, do that in the black box when you walk out the door. C Group started this week. Man, I tell you what, they've been fantastic. Uh, the reports I'm getting back are just phenomenal. I know my group met yesterday morning, bright and early. We had coffee, donuts, and the Word of God. Can't beat that. So if you're not in a C group, you can still sign up for one, get in it. And if you can't attend a C group, I still want you to have one of these little books. So get one on the way out and do the lessons on your own. It's best that you be in a C group, but at least get a book and follow along with us because we're talking about some good things. We're talking about winning people to the Lord. That was the mission of Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost, and he has passed that mission on to us. So on Sunday mornings, I'm preaching on mission from the uh, book of Acts, and I think it's going to be just fantastic. Great study we're involved in. So tonight you get me. Next Wednesday night, our teens are going to be in here, and they're going to lead in service. And then the following Wednesday, which I think is the 18th, we got an old, old guy that used to be here at Cavanaugh, grew up here named Mason Polk. Got Brother Mason come back and preach. That's exciting. So just mark that on your calendar. If you've never heard Brother Mason come on the 18th, I know you're going to be blessed by that. So tonight it's me. And I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do more teaching than preaching. What's the difference between teaching and preaching? Anybody know? What's the difference between teaching and preaching? Anybody? I, I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I say I'm going to teach tonight. I'll probably preach a little bit too, but I want to talk to you from Acts chapter 1. Now, we were in Acts chapter 1 Sunday, right? Mission possible, being on mission. Uh, the Lord told his disciples, you know what, you stay here in Jerusalem because you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my witness all over the world to the ends of the age. You're going to be witnesses for me both in your neighborhoods and in the nation. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight through prayer, through prayer. Now, Miss Angie and I have been married since May of 1983. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a math guy. My, my son is a math guy. I'm not. But I, I tried to do some calculations in my brain, which is very dangerous. We've been married 40 years, okay? How many days are in a year? 365. So if you multiply 365 by 40, what do you come up with? How many days have Miss Angie and I been married? Anybody doing that real quick? 14,600, but we were married in May. So I'm, I'm just going to round it off. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Kyle, I want to say Angie and I have been married somewhere around 15,000 days. Now think about that. 15,000 days days 
we have been together. Is that soaking in? 15,000 days. You, you tell me, tell me right now, what kind of relationship would Miss Angie and I have if during those 15,000 days we never communicated with each other? We never talked. For 15,000 days, we never said a word to each other. We shared the same house. We drove in the same car. We ate meals together. We were with each other every day for 15,000 days, but we never talked to nor listened to each other. Come on. What kind of relationship would we have? It, it, it really wouldn't be a relationship, would it? Can you imagine that? Or, or what about this? How many of y'all have kids? Okay, and the hands kind of go up. Grandkids, woohoo! They're better, aren't they? Or even great grandkids. Oh, fantastic! Now you tell me, what kind of relationship would you have with these kids, grandkids, and great grandkids? If y'all never communicated, if you never talked, if you never saw each other, if, if you've never said a word to each other, what kind of relationship would you have? I, I know it, with raising kids, man, isn't it crazy? Can you remember the days when you were raising kids? You'd get up early and you'd be in a hurry to get off to work and to school and then you'd come back in after they got from home from school and you got home from work and you'd try to throw food together, wouldn't you, Miss Joy? And everybody would be going different directions and you might see them but very seldom do you get to sit down and really have a conversation with them. But can you imagine how weak and fragmented your relationship would be with your kids and your own families if you never took the time to communicate? Relationships are built on communication. Go on, say amen to that. that. That was a preachy thing right there. So you can say amen. Relationships are built on communication, talking, listening, sharing your heart with one another. And the same thing is true in our relationship with Almighty God. And prayer is essential in building our relationship with the living God. I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, all right? Acts chapter 1. Here in a second, Devin's going to throw a verse up there, verse 14, but I, I want to I remind you what we talked about this past Sunday. Um, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples were together with Jesus, and uh, when he was with them, he told them, I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you were endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Spirit of God falls on you. And then we have that great verse that we looked at on Sunday, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then after he said that, he was taken up, and they were watching him as he rose up in the cloud. Remember the angel? Two angels were there in white garments, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus who went into the heavens is going to come back again. So stop staring and start sharing. I worked really hard on that for Sunday, and then it kind of went over like a brick, but I think that's pretty good. Stop staring and start sharing. You know, we all long for Jesus to come back, right? But in the meantime, we need to be sharing because we are his witnesses. And then it says this, 
Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. Now, why did they go back to Jerusalem? Because he told them to stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs. We call that the upper room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. And then we come to verse number 14, and that's the one we're going to throw up on the screen. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So the disciples were there, and so were the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with all of his brothers. And so what are they doing in the upper room? Come on, people, what are they doing? They're praying together. We're going to see in our study of the book of Acts on Sunday mornings that these early believers prayed all the time. A little later in Acts chapter 1, they prayed when they had a very important decision to make. After the death of Judas, in order to replace him, they had to choose between two men. And so here's what it says in verse 24 of Acts 1. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen. Now, I wish I had time to really get into this because this is so good. Lord, you know what? You know all things. And he does, doesn't he? Do we believe that he knows all things? You you know the heart. We see the outside, but you know the heart. And Lord, we have to make a decision between these two men We want to know which one of these two you have chosen, so Lord, show us which one you've chosen. And and you know what this is? This is showing us that these guys prayed about everything. What a novel thought. If you've got a decision to make, you know what you need to do? You need to pray about it. Now, Robert, it doesn't matter how small or insignificant we think the decision is or how big it is, we need to be praying about all decisions that we make every single day. I've heard so many people say, well, you know what, I'll pray about the big decisions, but I I don't want to waste God's time with these little trivial matters. It's nonsense. Every decision that we make needs to be saturated in prayer. You need to pray about it, all right? So they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which decision to make. And then after the day of Pentecost, prayer became an even more vital part of the life of the church. I'm going to read in chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And then what's the last part? And to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer because they were people of prayer. Here's the the thing, Jesus had taught them to pray, and so they had become people of prayer themselves. Now, that's what we read in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. They were praying, they were supplicating, they were doing it all the time. As we continue our study in Acts on Sunday mornings, we're going to see these guys, these people, they prayed about everything. They are praying all through the book of Acts, and because of their prayer, God was blessing them. Now, this kind of makes sense to me. If I want to be in tune with God, doing God's will and talking to the people God wants me to talk to, I know I've got to be a person of prayer. 
because he is connecting me in those directions I need to go and to those people I need to be talking to. So we see all this in Acts throughout the book. But I want to back up tonight. Beep, 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 beep. You with me? We're going to back up to the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. These followers of Jesus were people of prayer because Jesus lived and taught the life of prayer. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. He did it all the time. G. Campbell Morgan commented one time, as was his custom. That was the custom of Jesus, to pray. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, read this with me, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. So Jesus lived with a holy connection to the Father. Over and over and over again through the Gospels, we're reading that Jesus is praying. He went to a secluded place. There he prayed. He was praying down in a boat. He, he prayed everywhere. And the disciples saw something about the prayer life of Jesus that they knew they needed. I, I think one day it dawned on them. This man is controlled by God. He's got a special connection with the Heavenly Father. And so they, they knew, they saw that the secret to his power was in his communication with God. So what did they ask? Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Note carefully the wording of their request. Teach us to pray. That's the first thing. Teach us to turn to God in prayer rather than, listen to this, trying to fix things or figure things out on our own. That's what we're guilty of. We got a problem, we try to fix it. There's a dilemma, we try to figure it out. You know what we need to be doing? We need to immediately be going to God in prayer. So some of us treat prayer as the last resort. No, it should be the first option. Jesus did that. See, the Lord likes that. He rumbled because it, that's good. Jesus taught his followers about the importance of prayer, but he also taught them the mechanics of prayer. He taught them how to pray. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus goes into what we know as the model prayer, or we call it the Lord's Prayer. Luke's version of the model prayer is abbreviated, but Matthew has the full version of the prayer Jesus used to teach his disciples how to pray. It's found in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, so turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're getting a workout to that. And if you don't do that, you can read it on the screen behind me. You figured that out, right? Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches them something about when to pray. When to pray. Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray. Notice he doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. So it should be a routine and a pattern of our life. It, it, it should be in the flow of our life. Every day we need to be praying to God. It's just something that we as believers naturally should do. Just like I need to be naturally communicating with my wife, my children, and my grandkids. 
Because if I don't communicate with them, I'm not going to have a relationship with them. And it should be the same way with the Lord. When do we pray? Well, we need to be praying every day. We need to be praying all the time. But listen to this. I think there needs to be specific times when we deliberately go to God in prayer. Now, I don't know what your schedule is, but let me just suggest some things to you based on what I've experienced in life. I can't think of a better way to start my day than talking to God. So every morning I have what I call my morning prayer. I'll get my cup of coffee, I'll read my scriptures, and I'll spend time praying to God about that day specifically, okay? And then at the end of the day, I can't think of a better way to finish my day than in prayer to God. So I go into my bedroom, and, and I'll, I'll kneel down at this little chair we have in there, and I'll conclude my day by praying to the Lord. And I've got a problem with that because that little cotton-picking wee white dug of mine, Jojo, wants to get involved in my prayer at the end of the day. And I'll have to push her away. But that's just a side issue I'm dealing with right now. Maybe, maybe she's a little holier than I think she is. And she wants to participate in prayer time with me. I don't know. But those are my set times for prayer. But I don't limit my prayer time just in the morning and the evening. Ron, I'm, when something comes up during the day, I'll pray. Sometimes I'll walk in here in the sanctuary and I'll, I'll kneel at these altars and I'll pray. Right now, I'm, I'm having a special prayer time at 5 p.m. every day. Now, why in the world would I be praying at 5 p.m.? It's the 555 thing we're going through in C groups. Do y'all remember that in your C group book? Every day at 5 o'clock, there are five people that I'm praying for for five minutes. Who are these five people? Well, I'm not going to share their names with you, but they're people that I know who are either unchurched or unsaved. And I'm praying for them at five o'clock every day for five minutes. Why? Because that's, that's my duty as a believer. It's my passion to win people for Christ. And so these five people, three of them are unsaved. How do I know they're unsaved? Well, because I've been around them. <laughs> I know that they're not saved. A, a fourth one is backslidden. I know he's back. He knows he's backslidden. He's talked to me about it. He knows he needs to get back in tune with the Lord and back in church. And so I'm praying for him. And then the fifth guy that I'm praying for is he's a believer, but he's unchurched right now. He's just not in church. And so at five o'clock every day, I'm having a special prayer time praying for these guys. When should we pray? Well, we should pray when the Lord puts something on our heart, but there needs to be designated times every day that just, they just flow into the routine of our life, and we know we're going to pray at these designated times. That's when you should pray. Where should we pray? Well, Jesus addressed that in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we are helped to pray if we have a place where we can go, a place where we can close ourselves off from the distractions and focus on our relationship and our conversation with God. Where's your prayer closet? 
Where do you go to pray? I think it's important that we just concentrate on God wherever that is. I remember telling you the story about Sister Wesley, John Wesley's mama. You remember that story? She had like 14 kids, and apparently they didn't have any closets in their tiny little house. So every afternoon, Sister Wesley would sit in a rocker chair, and she would put a blanket over her head. And every one of those 14 kids knew when mama had the blanket over her head in the rocking chair, she was praying. And you don't mess with mama when she has the blanket on her head. All right? So you need to find you a place where you can pray in private. And then Jesus taught us something about how to pray. Matthew 6, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. He gives us the mechanics of praying. Now, again, I'm showing you this because when you see the believers in the book of Acts, you see people who knew how to pray. These disciples knew, what does verse 1 of Acts chapter 1 verse 14 say? They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. This goes back to their days with Jesus, when Jesus taught them to pray, when to pray, where to pray, and how to pray. Now, what I want us to do with the remainder of our time, and we're doing great, don't worry, I want us to walk through what is called the model prayer. Some of you know it from memory. We're going to throw it up the screen here in just a minute, and we're going to read this model prayer from Matthew's gospel. And some of you are going to be able to close your eyes and say it because you learned it when you were a kid. It's very familiar to you. But maybe it's so familiar that we don't take it as seriously as we ought to. Maybe you're having trouble right now knowing what to say when you start to pray. This prayer can help you. Maybe you get alone with God to pray and you find your mind going all over the place. Huh? And you don't know what to say. Well, that's why the Holy Spirit gave us this passage of Scripture. So that we would know how Jesus wants us us to pray. So I want us to walk through this prayer. Then we're going to close our service tonight by doing what Jesus just taught us to do. So here we go. We're going to throw this up on the screen and we're going to read this together. Are you ready to read it together? All right. Let me read this first little line, then we're going to read the prayer together. This then is how you should pray. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory. Amen. Amen. So right here in these few verses, Jesus shows us how to pray. He gives us a pattern for prayer. And and I want to give you five phrases, and they all start with the letter P, so you can easily memorize this whenever and wherever you are. 
First of all, Jesus teaches us to pray the praise of God. And this is how every prayer we pray should begin, by praising God. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. God is our Father if we have put our trust in Jesus. If you are a believer, he has become your heavenly Father. He is the Father of the family of God. He is in heaven at the control center of the universe. He is in charge. His name is to be hallowed. His name is holy. When we say hallowed be your name, we are demonstrating our reverence to a holy God. We honor God for his holiness. And did you know just a byproduct of that, the Bible says, without holiness, no one will see God? Therefore, it's important that we take on that trait of God and that we become holy people. There is none like God. God is in a class all by himself. His name is holy, and he alone deserves to be praised. That was a little preachy, wasn't it? So I've transferred from teaching to preaching. Let me go back to teaching. So we start our prayer with praise to God. Somehow or another, you you need to start praising the name of God. Holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Here's the way I do it. Sometimes I just start my prayers with verses from the Bible. That's a great way to pray. Do you know that? Praying scriptures. So I'll start my prayer with verses in the Bible that talk about the holiness of God Almighty and give him praise, like Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. That's a good way to start your prayer. Or what about this one, Revelation 4, 11? You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and by your will they exist and they were created. So what am I doing when I start my prayer? I'm giving honor to God. Holy is his name. His name is to be praised, so we begin our prayer with praise. It's pretty simple, isn't it? How do we start our prayer? Praise. He is God, and he is God alone. He deserves our praise, all right? Next, Jesus teaches us, number two, to pray the purposes of God. That is that God's will be done. Look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the reign of God over all of the universe in time and eternity. So here's here's this first thought, Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, your kingdom come. Your kingdom, Lord, let it come. Some days I pray that more than other days when I know I'm going to have a bad day. Lord, your kingdom come. Come on back today, Lord Jesus. Nothing wrong with that, is it? Your kingdom come. Every time a person is saved, what happens to the kingdom of God? It grows. It expands. The rule and the reign of God expands. One day, the kingdom of God will capture every square inch of the universe in a visible way. 
Right now, the kingdom of God is mostly invisible. But one day, it's going to be completely visible and all-consuming. So, because of that, we want God's will to be done on earth. Are you with me? God, let your will be done on earth, not let my will be done in heaven. We don't want to pray that. We want to pray your will be done on earth. Here's the way I look at it. God is sovereign. He knows, he knows all things. I was born August 15, 1961. Before I was even conceived in my mother's womb, God knew all about my life. In his foreknowledge, in his sovereignty, he knew all about my life. Now, his foreknowledge does not change my free will. It gets real deep right there, and I don't want to get real deep with you on that subject. But he knows all things. He, he, he knew before the foundations of the earth were created, he knew I was going to be preaching or teaching on this passage and saying this word tonight to you who are here. Isn't that mind-boggling? So he knows his perfect will for my life every day. Now here, here's the deal. I have a free will, do I not? So every day I get to choose, okay, am I going to do what God has already ordained and planned and knows is the best thing for me today, or am I going to mess that plan up and do what I want to do instead? Therefore, I need to be connected with God's will in heaven. Lord, let your will that has already been determined by you in heaven be done on earth, and may I be a part of it. Now, I don't really think it's a cop-out to pray God, may your will be done. What it means is this, whatever we think we need or want needs to conform to the will of God for our lives. So Lord, let your will be done on earth today as it's written in heaven and help me to get on board with you and be a part of the great things you're doing. I don't want to be resisting your plan for earth or my life. I want to be in correlation with your will, your way, every day. And again, I'm getting a little preachy, but Billy, that's okay. That was, that was good, wasn't it? Boy, y'all are hard. Next, Jesus teaches us to pray the provision of God. What about verse 11? Give us this day our daily bread. You know what bread means? Bread means any kind of nourishment. Now, back in Jesus' day, their staple was bread. Daily bread is what we need day by day. That's what he's saying. So we learn to live day by day by faith in the provision of God. We don't take it for granted. We acknowledge our dependence on God for all that we need in life. We need to learn to pray to God about everything. Remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 24, they were praying about a decision that, that was a big decision. Lord, which of these two guys do you want to follow Judas? And I said then, and I'll repeat it now, that's a big decision, yes, but we need to be praying about all the decisions we make. 
Lord, give me today exactly what I need for today. Not just in the food that I eat, but in everything I need. Lord, you know what I need. You, you, you know the, Lord, you know the patience that I'm going to need today in order to deal with the situations I'm going to face. Give me that patience. Lord, you know the wisdom I'm going to need today to make the decisions I have to make for my family or my business. So, Lord, give me the wisdom I need. Give us day by day our daily needs. Next, Jesus teaches us to pray. Are you ready for this one? The pardon of God. Now, you may have been relating to everything so far. It's about to get really rough on some of us. Ready? The pardon of God. Verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When we come before a holy God, we need cleansing that comes through confession and repentance. Okay? Every day we need to be forgiven for the sins of commission and the sins of omission. Remember, remember Jesus, Jesus washed the disciples' feet? Remember that? He was teaching them the need of daily cleansing. You've already taken a bath, he said, but your feet need to be cleaned. Every day we need forgiveness of, of sins that we have committed, whether they just be in our mind or through our mouth or by our hands and our feet. That's why we have 1 John 1, 9 in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that verse is it's for believers. It's a continual confession of our sins. The forgiveness and pardon of God needs to be experienced in our lives, and it needs to be expressed in our lives. Jesus says here in this passage that there's no experience of the forgiveness of God without a corresponding expression of the forgiveness of God. That's what Jesus means when he says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. So it goes back to what he said in the prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And if you haven't expressed forgiveness to others, Jesus said, don't even be asking me to forgive. You, if, you're, if you're not willing to forgive others, don't you ask me to forgive you. Now, why in the world would he do that? I think here's the reason why, one of the reasons why. If you don't forgive, you know what grows in your heart? Bitterness. A root of Bitterness. And that is going to alienate you from God. So as God forgives you, you need to be forgiving other people. Joe, thanks for that's right, because it is right. Now that rubs us the wrong ways because, you know what? We justify not forgiving that person who has offended us. Jesus says, no. If you want my forgiveness, you need to forgive. And so you know what? For some of you in this room tonight, that, that means 
that you're going to need to come and ask God to forgive you, and then you're, you're going to need to make a phone call tonight or go by and see someone and ask them to forgive you and forgive them for the offense they have made towards you. Next, Jesus teaches us to pray the protection of God. Look at verse 13a. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do do I need to remind you that temptation is powerful? Every one of us are tempted. Every single day. And you know what? The devil's good at it. He's had a whole lot of practice. And he knows what gets to you. And what gets to you may not get to me. But he knows what to tempt you with, and he knows when to tempt you. Now, to be tempted is not a sin, because we're all tempted. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And every one of those three temptations he was tempted with were viable temptations for him. Every day that you're alive, the devil is going to tempt you. Now, we know that God never tempts us to sin. So why does Jesus teach us to pray like this? Well, it's more like this. Don't allow us to be led into temptation. Keep us as far away from the tempter as we possibly can be. Lord, help us to be walking so close to you and so in tune with the Holy Spirit that when that temptation comes, it doesn't affect us and cause us to sin. I told, I told my C group, yesterday morning it's not a sin to be tempted okay it's not a sin we're all tempted and guess what when you are tempted you don't have to sin sin is a choice and Jesus is saying you you pray Lord deliver us give us that way of escape give us that door of escape and give us the wisdom to take that way of escape and not fall into the temptation. We have an evil enemy for whom we are no match apart from the power and protection of God. He is as a roaring lion, and he will consume you. Don't you ever think that on your own strength you can stand against the wiles of the devil, because you can't. He will eat you up and chew you down and spit you out. The only way you can be victorious is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So pray this prayer. Deliver us from the evil one. And that brings us back to number six, the praise of God. Verse 13, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So you know what we've done in this little prayer? We've come full circle. We start with the praise of God and we close with the praise of God. Amen? So let's do it. Let's do it. Stand with me. Let's stand up and let's throw this verse back up on the screen and let's make this our prayer to the Lord, all right? This then is how you should pray. And pray it to the Lord. Do it out loud. Let's do it right now. Our Father in heaven,
Amen. Amen. Make this your prayer. Become a person of prayer. Let's be a church of prayer. And let's see the great things happen at Kavanaugh Church that happened in the early church because they gave themselves to prayer and supplication. Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing on this congregation. I pray a blessing on our church. Lord, we have a whole list of people who are having physical problems and and need intervention from you, and we lift those people up to you. Lord, not only that, we pray for the the people on our own personal prayer list, the, the five people who are either unsaved or unchurched that we're praying for. And I pray, dear Lord, that through this series of studies on being on mission with you and on our C group, the ABCs of soul winning, that we would be so burdened for these people that we could not stop ourselves from engaging them, loving them, and sharing with them the plan of salvation. Would you bless Kavanaugh Church? Help us to be a loving church, a praying church, and a soul-winning church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Can't wait to see you on Sunday morning. If it's not pouring down rain, get out there and get you a plum, all right? Love you.